the Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Welcome, everybody, to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny, the hits that come from the 90s. I am Shandi Pasquale here with... Tori Sheffield. And if Sean sounds even chipper than usual this week, it's because, drumroll, he proposed to Liz this week. And even though many of you might be surprised by this, she said yes. She did. <laughs> and no, it's amazing. And we're very, very happy for him. And um, yeah. I, I got to actually see them the day after it happened for a fully vaccinated dinner and they're both so happy and it is i'm just i'm just happy for you guys man i'm, put, I'm putting you. it literally on the record Appreciate i'm so excited it. for you yeah we are um grossly in love with each other uh-huh. after five years of being together we remark on it often about how it's gross that we still feel this way <laughs> um and but yeah no we couldn't be happier her parents are 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 super happy. My parents are like over the moon. My mom is like <laughs> posted I think six times in two days to Facebook about it. So <laughs> like. I almost wish that um this was the next episode we're about to record where there's some thematic overlap, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll focus on we'll focus on episode 20 for today for right now. But no. um well listen, who no. knows what will happen between episodes. <laughs> 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 yeah, Liz could call to break it off any moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but today is not about me. Today is about the nanny. Uh, Ode to Barbara Joan, which is episode 20 of season one, where we're in the home stretch, as the uh, basketball players like to say. And um, speaking of basketball, Brighton uh, is on the baseball team in this episode. And so we we get we get some like very thin B plot of like, he's like wants Mr. Sheffield to come to his baseball game. And, and the episode opens strong on a joke about the size of Brighton's dick. <laughs> wait, 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 just to ground everybody in like the main plot of this episode, this is, it's called Ode to Barbara Joan because it is sort of a Barbara Streisand themed episode. You know, her full name is Barbara Joan Streisand. She never See, appears. She never appears, but it's the episode where Cece's father comes to town and it shakes everything up in terms of the Babcock family dynamic because he starts to clearly prefer Fran to his own daughter, which we will get yeah. to. It gets kind of weird. But it yes. does get weird because at first it starts like, oh, he just likes Fran because she's more fun than Cece. And then very quickly it's like, is he tr- is he trying to sleep with Fran? Yeah, no, no. And I, I literally have the note. We literally just had the uh, the conversation about how gross Blame It on Rio is last week. And now we have our very own Blame It on Rio themed episode. Um, but so, yeah, this is Ode to Barbara Joan, episode 20. Um and, oh, we have to, we're all over the place right now, but I do have to post the Barbara Streisand pictures of myself for this particular it's, ad. It seems like you're more fluttered than I am over this engagement. <laughs> I, I know. You're like all flustered. I just, you know. You love love. I think I'm more flustered because I actually just opened a, I opened a, a bag of butterscotch morsels right before we started oh and i got a little distracted with that but um we can say <laughs> we can say it's the i was afraid they were gonna fall off a table a second ago but no 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 it's definitely the um 
It's done with the love stuff. Okay, so Ode to Barbara Joan, it starts with Bright, this they they first they set up the subplot that Brighton is on is playing baseball and he's got a big game coming up and he really wants Mr. Sheffield to be there. Then we get the A plot set up, which is that the phone rings and Cece's father's on the phone. She doesn't want to talk to him. Niles, of course, being Niles, hands her the you know he's like yes, Cece's here. Hands her the phone. He well he has a great line where the phone he comes in with the portable phone and says, Miss Babcock. Someone claiming to be your father is on the line, and I I have to uh, commend his courage for admitting that, (laughs) which is one of my favorite lines of the episode. I know, and we did brush over. You were about to say that this episode starts on a Brighton has a big penis joke. Or someday will have. It's just the the whole joke is centered around she holds up his jock strap that he has to wear for baseball. And she's like, this is the jock strap that you picked. And uh and 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 he's like, what? And then Mr. Sheffield's like, he is a Sheffield. If it doesn't fit him now, he'll grow into it eventually. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, Brighton's cock. And then they move on. <laughs> I'm like, he's an eleven year old boy. I'm just he's so- a child. He's I'm a not- child. It's I was not happy. And then we get and I wrote all of these down because I thought this episode was really, really funny, I wanna say. It had it was like bop ba da bop ba bop ba bop like one-liners and like, I mean, mm-hmm. it was great. Um, it should be noted, it, it it is credited to three different writers. This is another episode directed by Gail Mancuso. The script itself was Dana Reston and Frank Lombardi, and the story was David M. Matthews. So there's like a lot of cooks in the kitchen on this one, but it doesn't feel all over the place. It's just like really, really strong. Um, so there's, the, the the call happens and Fran says, you know, Look, but basically, like- Cece is like, ugh, I'm not going to – basically, like, that was my father. He wanted to see me. But I saw – she literally goes, but we had dinner last year and we shared a cab. So that's yeah. clearly Cece's family dynamic, at which point you were about to say Fran. Yeah, so Fran's like, it's like my mother always says. And then each person in the room interrupts her with, uh, you can freeze anything. <laughs> and then I think Mr. Sheffield says – um, why buy sweet and low when the restaurant is giving it away? <laughs> yes, yes. And someone else goes, um, seven cans of tuna counts as one in the express aisle. In the supermarket <laughs> express line. Yeah. 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 And then it's great. Like, it's yeah. it's great. Um, but of course, Fran is like, no, no, no. She always says, like, family comes first. You should prioritize family. And she actually very generously is like, Cece, invite your father over for dinner. It'll be good. Like, you know, um, and actually Cece goes, it will be nice to introduce him to the man in my life. And Mr. Sheffield goes, oh, by all means, bring him, which is like so mean. Poor Cece. Um, But yeah, so it's like the whole episode setup is Cece's father is going to come to dinner um, and meet everyone in the household. We didn't get to the next, my next favorite bit. I think you're, you're about to get to it. Cece's like, you know, very nervous for her father to show up. And so she's like, Everything has to be perfect. And she comes into the kitchen and she goes, we can't use the, ch- the ch- this china. The pattern is hideous. And Niles goes, that's not the pattern. It's your reflection, which yes. was such a good burn. I loved that one. <laughs> <laughs> loved well, it. But the thing is, though, so basically, you know, she's so nervous for her father to get there. And the doorbell rings and he walks in. And the first thing he does is he looks at Maggie, you know, the eldest Sheffield child and goes, well, you haven't aged a bit. Uh, and then Cece goes, Father, I'm over here. And then her dad goes, she has her mother's sense of humor. 
none. <laughs> and I just wrote, way harsh guy. Like, I'm like, no wonder Cece is so messed up. Like, that was really mean. Um, but it was a really good way to set up the father. Because right away, I liked him. I was like, oh, he's fun. And like, just like having a laugh. And I thought it set up like a perfect, like immediately within one line, I was like, oh, I know who the dad is. Their relationship's not what I thought it was going to be. Because they really set him up in Cece's eyes as being like this very demanding, kind of scary person. And then ultimately ends up being like pretty likable until he starts to hit on Fran. Yes. Well, we we kind of established that it's more just that Cece and her father are in very different wavelengths and probably never really understood each other. It's less that he is some, you know, withholding, menacing, or like, you know, cold guy. Um, yeah. And then, well, so we cut to them all around the dinner table and, you know, her father is charming everybody with hilarious stories and Fran is sharing her funny stories. And then Cece attempts to join in by sharing an extremely dull story that was only noteworthy now because she says, well, one time, you know, Ivana and I were down at Mar-a-Lago um, and that's like the premise of what she says next, which- I just wrote, Cece is a very basic kind of evil. <laughs> The mundacity of evil. <laughs> but so, exactly. but so it's just funny, you know, to us now because that joke was a joke for a very different reason 30 years ago than it is now. Um, and it's just so weird to hear any kind of Mario Lago reference outside but, of but the. But was it though? Because, like, like, other than the additional connotations of, like, oh, they're all evil. The joke was still like, these are pathetic people doing like sad, rich people things that are vapid and empty and nobody cares about. And I think that holds true. You just get an extra layer because you go like, oh, Mar-a-Lago, I know what that is. For sure. I think that, you know, it, the joke back then was purely that they're very rich and vapid. And now there would be sort of a, a political evil undertone to it all. Yeah. Um, but so um, they're they're all talking and then- her father brings up that, you know, he has to go to this quote unquote Streisand thing tomorrow, as in Barbara Streisand. And um, he basically says like he's part of some consortium that's funding her tour. So he's going to be going to her concert. And Cece says, oh, I hate Barbara Streisand. I've always found her voice annoying. And Fran, meanwhile, like she literally has some really epic line where she's like, Barbara as in Barbara Jones, or she's like Streisand, as in Barbara Jones Streisand, as in born to like Diana and so-and-so in 1942 on blah, blah, blah road um, in Brooklyn. Like she knows, yeah, and then, she knows everything about her. Yeah, and then so Mr. Babcock goes, oh, well, Cece, I didn't realize you didn't like Barbara Streisand, but Fran, if you're such a huge fan, do you want to come with me tomorrow? At which point we get f peak physical, physical comedy moment. Fran Drescher, literally like a tree trunk, falls straight off of her chair. Like there's like no um bounce. And because because comedy's funny in threes, it then happens two more times. Yes. Did you catch that um Grace was actually like cracking up during Fran's fainting? I didn't notice that, but I did notice there was a couple shots of the kids when Fran Drescher was like telling some oh, no, story. Not Grace. Wait, which one's Maggie. the middle one? The, Maggie. Maggie, yeah. the oldest. Oh, yeah. I was did. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And I did clock that. There was Sorry. um there was a couple moments where her laughter seemed like it was genuine laughter, not just yes. like this character is laughing right now. No, yes. I totally no, it just seemed like she was like tickled by this whole beat, this whole concept. Yes. Like, and so, every time Fran fell, it was like <laughs> well, and it was funny. It was, she sold it. 
it was it was shot well. Man, Gail Mancuso, uh, if you ever need a, a sitcom with a lot of physical comedy, like this is your lady. Get well, her to come direct. And the reason that the beats keep escalating is because then Mr. Babcock's like, oh, and by the way, we have first row seats. And it's like she falls. And then he eventually reveals that they're also going backstage, at which point Fran holds on for like a couple minutes and the conversation continues. And then she falls at the very end of the of the scene because she couldn't – she like held on for as long as she could. Um, and we also – like while this is happening, Cece is literally like bending a spoon by accident because that's how just like agitated she is by her father – clearly right. liking somebody else's company more than hers like right off the bat but we don't want to we don't we don't she doesn't want to show it no 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 so she just like very quietly bends her um her, her spin- yeah and then so it's like the b plot is pretty the the whole brighton baseball thing it's pretty dull but it's only really used to i think serve as a mirror to what is happening in the a plot because a little while later basically um we find out that Mr. Sheffield has gotten invited to host some big theater symposium. And Niles, Niles literally goes, ah, that must be an Andrew Lloyd Webber's out of town. <laughs> so, um, you know, just dig at Mr. Sheffield. But basically it's going to conflict. That symposium will conflict with the day that Mr. Sheffield had agreed to take Brighton to a baseball game, like a Mets game. And Brighton says, dad, I don't, I don't care. It's fine. Whatever. But Fran hears about this and she marches in to um mr sheffield's office and she's basically like um oh wait hold on i think i might be skipping ahead you're skipping you're skipping ahead so he's he's supposed to go to brighton's game and then he's like i can't go and brighton's like i literally does not care and then he's like i'll make it up to you we can go see the mets and brighton's like sure Dude, whatever. Like he just doesn't oh, care. Okay, that's it. That and then it. that upsets, but that upsets Fran. So she stalks after Mr. Sheffield. She follows him to his office where Cece is outside on the back patio, like sulking because of everything that's going on with her father. As Fran is sort of um reprimanding Mr. Sheffield for like, don't be a bad father. And it could lead to like, you know, him feeling like outraged and sad and all these emotions that she's describing. We're seeing Cece act out in the back patio through the window. Yeah. It's a very funny, it, again, it's, it's kind of hard to describe. It works really well, though. If you're not watching these episodes before you're listening to the podcast, you really, really should. Yeah, Fran's like, you know, you yeah, yes, a child might say they're totally fine with what's happening, but on the inside, like, but then they might become withdrawn. And then we see like Cece kind of like holding her head in her hands outside. And then it's like, and then she might, then the child might even become violent. And Cece picks up a potted plant and smashes it. Or, and then um, she's like, and then, you know, the child might even hurt someone. <laughs> Niles comes through with a broom to clean up the vase. And <laughs> she just like basically stabs his his foot with her high heel and stalks off. So yeah, we see this theater of what Fran is describing emotionally playing out on like in the flesh in Cece, even though Fran is talking about Brighton. Um, and well, we, this is when this episode gets where I felt it got gross and weird because I was totally on board when I was thinking like, oh, Cece is jealous because it's like a daughter replacement plot line. Um, but basically the next day, not, um, Cece's in the house and she's like, Niles, like, have you seen Fran or have you seen my father? And he's like, ah, yes, she's uh, out shopping with Miss Fine. And then Fran and the and the father come home and he's like, he's bought her this like 
very, very expensive dress and they've been out all day. And he's like, she's like, oh, you spoil me. And he's like, uh, he's like, it's a pleasure. And he's like, I can't wait for our evening tonight. Like you look delicious in that dress. And I was just like, what is happening now? Like men are so gross. That's what, that was my note. There's a weird disconnect there. Well, well, there's a weird story disconnect because it's like, it, if this is about Cece and Cece's feelings that she's being, re- you know, replaced as a daughter, then like that's one thing, right? But then when it becomes about like he's like her silver fox dad is trying to stoop the nanny, I feel like that's another thing. But they try to just play both. Yes, and like Cece almost doesn't really acknowledge the sexual thing going on. She's more just like upset that she's being. Re- replaced. Well, but except then Niles makes some crack about how Fran's going to become her stepmom, at which point Cece literally faints. <laughs> and we get a very rare sitcom shot of the ceiling of the Sheffield's house. It is so rare to do that because sitcom sets generally aren't built with ceilings. Like they're there, there is no mm-hmm, ceiling. That's mm-hmm. where they put the lights and all of that stuff. We see a brand new stylistic um, approach to, to a scene, which we haven't seen yet before. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's very ahead of its time in that that feels like something you'd see in a, in like a single camera sitcom with like like Malcolm in the Middle, which I don't think would come until a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, you know, then basically we cut to it's like the eve it's it's before this big evening is supposed to happen and Sylvia Fran's mom has come over to help her get ready for this huge Barbara Streisand concert. And Fran is she's literally agonizing. She's like I I can tell that Miss Babcock is like really hurting. And I don't think that her father should actually be taking me to this concert. And Sophia's like, no, no, no. Like you have to go. It's a Barbara Streisand concert. You're going to meet Barbara Streisand. Like, and she starts pulling out like the Barbara Streisand quarterly, like her, the Barbara Streisand album. She pulls out what was clearly a Barbara Streisand wig that Fran used to wear. And Fran's like, but Ma, like, aren't you always saying family comes first? And Sylvia goes, our family, <laughs> which is like, oh, I just, I don't know. That felt like, that really rang true. But but basically, she looks great. She comes she comes downstairs, and Cece's dad says, um, "You look like Audrey Hepburn." And she goes, "But I sound like Selma Diamond," <laughs> which I love. <laughs> um, and um, and and ultimately, she tells. Cece's dad, like, look, I, you know, I can't go do this. You should be taking your daughter with you. This should not be me. This should be her. And you you have to go talk to her. And he kind of puts his arms around Fran and Cece, right as Cece walks in and she, it looks like they're like making out. Cece gets very upset and she like runs upstairs and to the bathroom. To clarify, he he's hugging her to thank her. He's like, you're right. Yeah. You're very wise. And it's it actually is like a platonic embrace, but Cece mis- misreads it. And so then we get this great scene where basically Cece's locked herself in the bathroom and she's just like <laughs> smoking a cigarette on the toilet. 
And And she's like, nobody come in. Like, I don't want to see anyone. She's like a total Sylvia uses her acrylics to break the lock on the door, which I loved. Um, And then proudly goes, acrylics. (laughs) Um, So then Fran and Cece are in the bathroom and they have this whole fantastic scene where they like talk it out. Um, Really good, strong writing. It's the first time you kind of, you know, these next three episodes all feel like, oh yeah, it's the end of the season. And they're kind of like wrapping up some of the plots or at least highlighting some of the the character developments that we've seen over the last couple of episodes. Um, Uh, And and, and it felt cathartic in that way to this Fran and Cece's uh, scene. But then while they're in the bathroom, uh, they cut outside and everyone's, you know, everyone's kind of, it's like Sylvia and Cece's dad and Mr. Sheffield and Niles, they're all like standing there. And, um, <laughs> and Sylvia points to the bathroom door and she goes, if they're anything like my Morty, they're going to be in there for hours, <laughs> which. <laughs> so stupid. I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> like if you question any of the logic of why she would say that it falls apart but it's it's so good it's so, but okay so the a couple of things about this scene when they're in the bathroom it's basically fran sitting down next to Cece, genuinely consoling her and um and fran's like you know you like see like miss babcock you need to stop pushing people away and Cece starts to cry and is like i don't know what to do i just you know my father and i have always had this this strained relationship and blah, blah, blah. And the first thing I wanted to say is I remember a few episodes ago, you were like, oh, does the nanny ever really pass the Bechdel test? And I think this is like proof positive we've gotten there, even between Fran and Cece, who like normally are only being kind of catty about Mr. Sheffield. But so, yeah, this is like a big character moment between them. And I think it's funny because at the beginning of the season, we just, we were always like, are they ever going to do something different with CC? And I even remember saying like, oh, I don't even want them to. And I'm like, no, no, like not only are they doing something different with CC, I'm enjoying it. So I guess I, I eat my own words. You should. And let's take a moment to really appreciate that. It's rare that you're wrong, but when you are, it feels good. And I'm sure it feels the same way for the audience. Everybody just take a moment, let that sink in. Jokes on Sean. Everything out of my mouth is a lie all the time. <laughs> um, but, but no, I, I I am right there with you. I think Cece, I, I think I thoroughly enjoyed this scene and I thoroughly enjoyed them actually, you know, sometimes you get lost in sitcoms in just like, well, we're just making jokes, but we're not acknowledging any of the emotions running behind any of the jokes. And I thought this episode, you know, felt, like I said before, kind of cathartic in that like, oh, yeah, they like we're acknowledging for the first time, like out loud, say these CC's like, I loathe you. Like mm-hmm. and and we start to dig into why and 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 ultimately, you know, the show does a very good job of going back to the root of something we talked about from the very first episode on, which is, you know, Fran is a really good, she's got she's very empathetic. She's got a good heart and she's empathetic. And even though she knows she's a threat to Cece and she'll poke fun at her and have fun at her expense sometimes, she doesn't want to do something that would cross some kind of like emotional line. And like, this is a a bridge too far. And and her natural instinct is to, you know, hey, let's figure this out and maybe I can make it better for you and your dad, which I thought was really, you know, very endearing. It makes you love Fran so much more. Yeah. And there's actually this really, one of my favorite lines wasn't even... The, a joke, but basically, um, her 
uh, Cece's father ends up coming in and he and Cece embrace and Cece's actually like crying on his shoulder. And I think he's like, I've literally never seen her cry before. And then he says, you know, you're really lucky to have a friend like Fran. And Cece's sobbing goes, I know. <laughs> like she's like almost, she knows she's almost angry that she knows, but she's also acknowledging that like Fran might be her closest friend at this point. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah, it was, it was all great. And, really you know, welcome. and maybe, I don't know if we fully articulated this well enough, but like Fran giving up a chance to meet Barbara Streisand is like the, like the, biggest sacrifice she could possibly make and it really speaks to how good a person she is yeah it speaks to her character this whole episode you know by the end of it really speaks to fran's character and like who she is as a person that she's willing to give this up and her you know i mean and and it's got a cute button where her and her mom at the end are listening to the barbara streisand concert on the phone and then we, you know, weirdly like see the back of Barbara Streisand's head for like two seconds as she like takes the phone from Cece's dad to say hello to Fran and her mom. Yeah, it's a it's a Barbara Streisand impersonator, but obviously in the world of the show, it's really Barbara. And Fran's father has brought like a mobile phone to the concert so they could listen. And literally the line is Barbara takes the phone and goes, hello, gorgeous, <laughs> which is just classically Barbara. And this line, this little button has one of my favorite lines of this whole episode, which well, I'll that, just... why don't why that transitions us nicely to <gasps> segments. Segments. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments. Uh with Sean and Toria. <laughs> Okay, I'm assuming the song is played. <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely played. <laughs> definitely played. Or, um, wait, maybe I played it now. And oh now, God. segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say, we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> oh, no, this we don't, we don't have time for these shenanigans. We're trying to keep these tight. <laughs> Um, okay, or maybe it plays now, now though. Segments. So, so, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. God, this bit. Well, I was just about to say though, one of my favorite lines was in the button of the episode when Fran and her mom are listening to the concert over a phone. And Fran's. Oh, sorry. And Sylvia goes, I love Barbara so much. And Fran goes, I love her more. And Sylvia goes, I loved her first. And Fran goes, I love her last. (laughs) Which is like (laughs) such a morbid joke, like acknowledging that you're going to outlive your own mother. But it did make me laugh. It's Um, funny. It's cute. It's very cute. Um, Yeah. And I already went, we actually already covered a couple of my other favorites, which was like Niall saying, there's a man who claims to be your father. And I'm impressed he has the guts (laughs) to admit it. And we went over the, um, you know, Fran going, well, as my mother always says, and everybody jumps in with some like truly like gaudy things. Those were probably my favorite. That Like that whole run, that's probably my favorite of the episode. I, I just thought that was like really strong comedic writing, just like ding, 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 you know, really yeah. good pacing, well edited. I love, I love that joke. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was impressive because it didn't, only work 
in terms of just it being really funny. But I really love that it like further establishes what's happening in the world of the show, which is Fran and her whole family are getting so close to the Sheffields that it's like they even know the stuff that Sylvia says. Like it's sort of also just like reinforced the closeness of everybody at this point, yeah. um, which it, so it was like kind of heartwarming in its own which weird way. Which makes sense. I mean, they spent like two days with Sylvia, you know, and presumably she's been living there for quite a while. We've we've already seen some of the kids turn another year older. Yeah. And Sylvia's so, over a lot, it seems. Yeah. Um, and my one other little favorite thing that I wanted to call attention to, um, basically, uh, when Sylvia's helping Fran get ready for the big concert, you know, Fran looks kind of just like a little bummed out. And Sylvia's like, what's the matter? Your excitement peaked too early and now you're depleted. And it wasn't so much funny as like so relatable to me. Like, have you ever been so excited for something so far in advance that like a concert or a birthday yes. party that it's like you you like oh I used to do this all the time like well into my late 20s and I would be so excited for my own birthday party that I would always get sick <laughs> the day of the party <laughs> it was like it was oh, so man. it was so I don't even want to we don't have enough time to unpack all that <laughs> um, so what was the Yiddish in this episode did you the, catch a Yiddish I did did you uh, yeah I did Ganug. Oh my god, I have a different one. What's what's Ganug? <gasps> she says Ganug, uh, which is like stop, stop it. You know, she says Ganug. Oh, what I did you it. catch? I got plotsing. Um, when plotsing, plotsing. Plots. Um, yeah. at the, near the beginning of the episode, Fran says, "Oh, you must be plotsing," and that means to collapse or faint as from ex- uh, as from surprise, excitement, or exhaustion. Yeah, and Ganug literally means enough. And okay. I think she's, it's, they're no, like no, giving already, her comp- We already did, but I will say this. We have done Gnook before. Remember Gnook with the bells. Enough with oh, the bells. Oh, yeah. She does the same thing here. I mean, look, it's a very common phrase. So it was probably going to get repeated. But yeah, plots is a good one. Plots in. Um, yeah. I never heard that before. Oh, um, I could plots. Yeah. No. Um, and then, okay. So for our nanny facts and trivia and corrections, so I, I wrote, this episode dives a little deeper into the character of Cece. So I thought we should dive a little more into Lauren Lane, the actress who played her. Um, because we really don't – I didn't even know her name until I looked this up. I felt like such a, a fraudulent nanny fan. Her name is Lauren Lane. Um, and there's not even I – mean, a- To be clear, at no point have we claimed to be the world's <laughs> biggest nanny fans. So if you're listening to this and getting frustrated with us week to week – like, we don't think we're the biggest nanny fans. We just like the show and thought it would be fun to do this. <laughs> so, Lauren Lane, what do we know about her? Okay. What, what, where is she now? Well, the, first of all, there's not a ton of information about her online, though she does have a, um active Instagram account um, where she even says – it's her bio says, actress most known for Cece Babcock, professor and mom. Um, and a little quick thing from Wikipedia, Lane was born Laura K. Lane in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and raised in Arlington, Texas. Um, it, you know, she has a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. Um, she has a master's from the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, and she is currently on the Department of Theater and Dance faculty at Texas State University in San Marcos. Wow. Yeah, so you Pretty know, cool. for I actually think by a lot of working actors' standpoints, that is a success story to to now have to have had 
some time doing some cool stuff on TV. And now, now you teach and aren't, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, yes, within like two years of living in Los Angeles, I quickly realized that like, oh, right. There's all of the other actors that aren't on the cover of like People Magazine. And like the only goal there is just like get paid to act and then eventually have enough to retire or transfer to some cool gig where you're like a professor or doing something that you like, you know? Yes. And I, I would agree that like um, moving to LA shifted my understanding of, yeah. of what success means in this industry. Um, yeah. yeah. It seems to me like, and if you're, you know, I mean, she had a, a long career prior to, to the nanny. She, you know, she was on a bunch of episodes of, of this show called Hunter. She was a recurring character on LA Law for a while, you know, and then she did the nanny for like six years. So that's, you know, responsible with your money. Like that's like a good amount of scratch to kind of be able to be like, all right, uh, I'm going to have some kids and maybe go to school, maybe become a, you know, a professor, like find something else that interests me. Cause it is such a gamble. I mean, you know, there's only so many top slots and, and that's the reality of it. And, you know, if you're not vying for that and you don't have the ego, then like you can still make like a really nice life for yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the free end of the CC, I wrote, I'm more the CC because Sean doesn't strike me as having an approval-based relationship with his father. No, I don't. Um, I always did. So, no, uh, I did not. Yeah, I yeah. Need, I, don't, I need my mom's approval more than my dad's approval. I'm, I'm the opposite. Well, on that note, why don't you reach out to us folks to tell us who you think the better person is? Um, <laughs> oh, wait, this actually reminded me, though. I wanted to say that I know we keep saying, you know, call in and um, do a nanny impersonation. But I, I realize I feel like a lot of our listeners might want to call in and ask us questions more than. Yeah, whatever. That. Do whatever you want. Call yeah. in. Ask a question. What do you uh, want to know us- about yeah. the nanny, about sean about me Victoria, about yeah. about anything about the mcu i'm happy to talk about you know if there's some crossover there i don't want even an ounce of that in this podcast so i beg of you listeners don't please don't um and uh good news folks uh you no longer just have to try to leave us some kind of message there. You can also now reach us out to us on our very own official social media. Uh, go to Twitter or to Instagram and look for Oh Mr. Chef Pod. Uh, that's O H Mr. Chef with two F's Pod. Oh Mr. Chef Pod. Just like Oh Mr. Chef Field. Just stop at the two F's and replace the field with Pod. I, I, Um, we're going to be trying to post content there. We want that to be a place where you guys can reach out to us. And we just want to start our little nanny stand community there. Um, so please, please, you know, is it nanny stands or is it franatics? Where did you, when did you, when did you come up with franatics? Just now. Well, I always thought it was going to be nanny stands, but I. We could go with nanny stands. I like nanny stands. (laughs) Well, you threw me for about franny stands? (laughs) Franny stands. Um. What about Dreshner? <laughs> let's just make it. Let's just make it really Dreshner droids. Um, no, I, I. Well, I've been calling you guys nanny stands personally for m- weeks now, but um, I think it's. I think it's more appropriate to be a nanny stand because you can be a huge fan of even more than just Fran and the nanny. You can be a, a Nile stand. You can be a Gracie stand. Um, yeah, you know what? Good point. Good yeah. point. This is not just all about Fran. Mm-hmm. Fine. 
There's a lot of characters in the show that are beloved. All right. We are probably longer than we should be for this episode. Uh, we were doing so well, and then we, we rambled. Um, the Like, subscribe, anchor.fm slash the nanny pod. Uh, go, go do all the things and come back next week because we only got two episodes <gasps> left in yeah. season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thank right. you, everyone. Bye. 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 Name Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Vine. <laughs> <laughs>